And we do begin our worship today by calling on the name of our God, inviting him to be present with us, recognizing that he is here. And so we worship today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we begin our time, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for drawing us here today. You are a God of rescue, a God of redemption, a God of deliverance, a God of freedom, a, a God who is so generous to us in pouring out your gifts of grace and mercy upon us. So Lord, we pray that we would receive the gifts that you have in store for us this morning in faith, that we would grow in faith and in our trust in you, that we, we would leave this time today clinging to you, Lord, full of confidence and joy. We also pray that this time would change us, Lord, that we would think how you want us to think, desire what you want us to desire, say what you want us to say, and do what you want us to do. We, we ask that through this time we would all live a little bit more like Jesus. So watch over and bless our time today, Lord. Fill us with your Spirit. So we pray these things in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, as God's people, we love to turn to God in his word. And so that's what we're going to do as we begin our time. Turn to God's word to listen to him speak. We're his children, and we need to listen to the wisdom of our Father. And so today we're going to listen to God's word as it comes to us from the book of Exodus, uh, chapters 12 and 13. Uh, we're picking up in, in the part of the story where God is rescuing and, is, and delivering his people out of slavery that they have been living in for 400 years in Egypt. You might remember God has, has decided to do that through a man named Moses, a man who didn't feel up to the task, but through whom God was determined to work. And as part of that plan, in order to draw the, the people of Israel out of Egypt and into this new promised land, he, he sent ten plagues in order to, to get Pharaoh's attention and turn him around. And they've come to the last plague, the, the killing of every firstborn child of both humans and animals in the land of Egypt. Uh, that, that's an act of judgment upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Uh, but God in his judgment also comes to his people with mercy and grace. He is determined to, to not destroy his, his chosen people Israel. And so he's pro provided a way of protection for them. He's going to pass over them and not destroy the people of Israel's firstborn children. As they slaughter the firstborn lambs and put its blood over their doorposts, God will see that and will pass over their household, rescuing and delivering their children as he draws them out of slavery. And so today we're going to read about the institution of the Passover meal, the meal that they will celebrate before this great moment of rescue. And then we're also going to read about how God wants this Passover to not just be a one-time event, uh, but a, a holiday, a holy day that they celebrate throughout their generations as they remember that special moment in their history in God's rescue among them. So we're going to read about the institution of the Passover for the first time and then how God wants it to be an ongoing day of remembrance. And so we'll be reading today from Exodus chapters 12 and 13. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, Every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. 
You shall, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." The Lord said to Moses, again, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. What, then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son in that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, I, I asked you at the beginning of the time, I told you we're going to talk about remembering today, and I asked you to think about your earliest memory. I wish we were all able to be together and share those memories. Maybe you could leave a, a comment on the video or send a message to the, the text number. Uh, but, but the truth is, I think that remembering is kind of becoming a lost art, isn't it? We're, we're all remembering less than we used to. And it's not just because we're all getting older. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's because we don't need to remember as much as we used to, right? We have technology. Uh, we have Google. We have our, our phones. And, and, and these are things that remember for us, right? Like, like, for example, I don't need to ever remember where I need to be, when I need to be there, because my phone does that. It'll tell me, uh, Peter, you're supposed to be at church this morning. You better wake up and get going. Uh, my, my, my phone will tell me what I need to be doing. I have a, a, an app that keeps track of my to-do lists, right, and says, don't forget, you got a sermon to, to, to write. Uh, there's even this one really cool uh, app I've been using on my phone recently. It's called Tap to Record. It actually syncs up with my watch, too, and I just press this button whenever I have an inspirational idea or hear a quote I don't want to forget or a book recommendation that I want to make sure to follow up on. I press this button and I, I tell it whatever I want it to remember. And I can go about my day 
And then when I want to remember that quote or that inspirational message, I just press the button and says it back to me. It does all the remembering for me. I don't have to juggle it all in, in my mind. It's amazing. Uh, whenever we forget a fact that we think we should have known, right? We're trying to win an argument. We just go to Google and it, and it remembers for us. Uh, remembering is becoming somewhat of a lost art. I mean, I mean, think about this. How many of you watching today can remember 20 phone numbers? Any of you? I would guess probably not too many. 15 years ago, we all would have been able to remember 20 phone numbers, right? We knew the, the phone numbers of all of our friends and, and family. But today, again, it's all on the phone. It's all right there. We don't need to remember it. Now, uh, some people today are really celebrating this, right? Uh, probably the makers of Google and Apple and all these tech companies love the fact that we don't have to remember anymore. And I mean, there is a case that if our brains are, are, are less filled with all of these to-do lists and calendar reminders, right, then, then there's more space to do other things, maybe more important things, more creative things. Of course, then there are also people who bemoan this fact, right, that think that we're kind of dumbing down our, our society. Um, there's probably some truth in, in both, if we're honest. Uh, but I, I think we recognize that re remembering is, is becoming a lost art. We're, we all remember less than we used to. But, but remembering, I think, is as important to ever. It's always been important to God, and he's always wanted it to be important to his people. He knows how much they need to remember. And that's what this Passover celebration was all about. We, we read about today how the Passover celebration, the eating of the bread and the slaughtering of the lamb, uh, the, the eating of the bitter herbs, was not meant to be just a one-time occasion but an ongoing celebration, an, a yearly reenactment of that day of, of Passover, of, of the day of rescue. Year after year after year, God's people were, were to do these practices, to have these traditions. They were to look backwards. Remembering in that way was very important to God. Uh, but, you know, it, it wasn't important be, because God is, is just a, a nostalgic God. Right? He didn't have them do this. The Israelites do this yearly reenactment because he wanted them to look backwards with nice feelings, right? And to get warm fuzzies at what happened so long ago. And, and this act of remembering, of looking backwards, was not about repristination. You know that big fancy word? That's a seminary word for you. That's how smart I am. Repristination. It really just means trying to go back to a more pristine time. And, and there are people who, who, who live this way, right? Who look at a certain era or decade and think, we got to get back there to when life was good. Think of the 1950s, right? People think, ah, that, that was the era. We had just come out of victory in World War II. Everyone had a job. We all had white picket fences. Our families were close-knit. Everyone went to church. And, and there are some people who say, we got to get back there. we got to move back to that time and recapture that glory, that magic. That's repristination. And... That's not why God calls his people to remember. It's not just about nostalgia, good feelings. It's not about moving backwards to a bygone time. No, God calls his people to remember, to yearly celebrate the Passover. He, he, he asks them to look backwards in remembrance so that they could move forwards in confidence. See, as they celebrated the Passover year after year, as they ate the bread and the bitter herbs and, and the slaughtered lamb, they would remember what God did and who he was. They would, they would remember that act of rescue and freedom. And they would know that that same God is with them. 
See, the truth is that, that many of us, what, what we're focused on is right in front of us, the problems of daily life. And sometimes we, we need to be shaken from that. And by looking backwards, we're able to move forwards with the Lord and his confidence. And, and so I, I think we recognize this on a, a very practical level, the power of remembrance. Uh, for example, when I remember my grandparents and the lives that they live, that changes me. At least it has the, the power and the ability to, right? Like I, I know my, my grandparents, they lived through so much. Uh, on both sides, my mom's parents, uh, they lived through the Great Depression. Uh, my grandpa fought in World War II. I mean, life wasn't easy. And then my dad's parents, they, they were born and raised in, in uh, Europe. And they lived through World War II. My grandma lived through some concentration camps, really hard life. And then they came to America, and uh, they, they were first-generation immigrants, trying to raise a new family, learn a new language. And every time I look backwards and remember my grandparents, it has the ability to change me moving forward, right? Like, for example, if I can put it this way, when I remember my grandparents, I, I often say to myself, uh, Peter, <laughs> suck it up. You can put up with a whole lot more than you think you can. Right? Uh, that the problems that you have are small potatoes in the big picture. You have it so good. Right? Remembering, looking backwards, has the, the ability to change how I, I live moving forward. The, the same would true, uh, be true of something like uh, remembering your wedding vows. I think it's good for couples to remember those vows that they made. And not just as nostalgia to, to conjure up the good feelings of the wedding uh, celebration, but, but so that they can be better spouses moving forward, so that they would continue to love each other for better or worse, through, uh, for riches, uh, through richer or poorer, right? Uh, in sickness and in health. Looking backwards has the power to change how we move forward. And, and that was true of the Passover meal again. And, and each of the main elements of the Passover celebration was, was put in place to help the Israelites remember. Uh, over time, the Passover celebration took on a lot of different elements. There were more traditions that were added to it. that were uh, there to help the Israelites in their remembering. Uh, but in the beginning, as we read today, there were just three, three really crucial elements that you needed to have in order to celebrate a Passover meal. There was the bread, the bitter herbs, and the lamb. And each of those things, again, helped and aided them in their remembering. The, the bread, the unleavened bread, which to which no yeast was added, and it was not given time to rise. That would remind them every time they ate this bread that their rescue w w happened quickly. It wasn't some long, drawn-out plan or preparation that they had worked up where they gathered their armies together to fight back against Pharaoh. No, th this was God's work, and he did it like that, right? It spoke to his power, and, and it spoke to his grace in rescuing them. Uh, and, and then there were the bitter herbs. Every time they ate these herbs and their face were puckered as they ate them, I mean, can you imagine taking a spoonful of, uh, of uh, horseradish? That's what it would have been like. And every time they ate this very viscerally, they would have been reminded of the bitterness of slavery. That life had been bitter for them day after day as slaves. But that God saw them in their bitterness and heard their cries and rescued them. It spoke to God's goodness and kindness and compassion to them. And, and then there was the lamb, right? whose blood was smeared on their doorpost. It was a reminder that their rescue came at a cost. It reminded them what they were rescued from, from, from slavery, but yes, even from death itself, from that final, lasting plague. It spoke to the life that God gave them. Together, this meal 
would remind them as they looked backwards of the God they had, a God of compassion and mercy and grace and rescue. It reminded them that they were a new people who were living in a new land, who were given a new identity, and that looking backward would help them to move forward. Now that's great for the Israelites. It's good for the Jewish people today who continue to celebrate the Passover. But what about us, right? As Christians, how do we remember? We don't have prescribed days like that in the Bible for us, right? That God commands us to celebrate certain days in, in certain ways. Now we do. Uh, we do celebrate holidays for good reason. Uh, uh, again, to, to help us remember. And, and so while they're not commanded and we aren't given specific instructions on how to celebrate days like Christmas or Easter or Pentecost, it's good that we do them because this is a way that we can remember, right? By remembering Christmas, that God so humbly came in the manger to dwell among his people as Emmanuel, we, we can move forward knowing that God continues to dwell among us as Emmanuel. He has never left us and never will forsake us. As we remember a Lent, which leads us to, to Good Friday and, and then Easter Sunday, we we remember what Christ did and in his amazing love and sacrificing his life, laying it down on the cross. We remember that he rose from the tomb. That helps us to move forward, knowing that that same God with that same sacrificial love who, who brings us that same daily renewal is, is with us every day. As we look backward at Pentecost, as God poured out his spirit, it's good that we do that so that we can move forward knowing that we continue to be God's Holy Spirit-filled people. Our holidays and, and holy seasons are one way as Christians that we remember, and it's good that we do. Uh, I think our reading of Scripture is another way. Right? That's why we, we need to remain devoted to the reading of Scripture. Because every time we read Scripture, whether it's in worship or a Bible study or on our own devotional time with ourselves or our families, right, we're reading an ancient book. <laughs> we're remembering what God did. For Noah and Abraham and David and Ruth and Naomi and Esther and, and Paul and, and, and Peter and Priscilla and the apostles, right? And, and that act of reading the Bible is a way of remembering what God did so long ago. But it also changes how we move and, and live moving forward. So scripture is another way. That's why we need to keep doing it. We need to be people who read our Bibles and listen to God's word. But then, of course, we have these two things that we call, uh, at least some Christians call, the, the sacraments. And one of the sacraments is baptism. And, and I think our, our baptisms are things that we are meant to remember day by day by day. Maybe even every time we jump in the shower and feel the water wash over us, we are to remember that, that we are baptized children of God, that God has cleansed us by faith, that he has called us his children and, and made us new, that he sees us as his beautiful, beloved sons and daughters. Daily, we can remember that new identity we have in Jesus. And then, of course, there's the Lord's Supper. Uh, you, you might know that uh, Jesus began the Lord's Supper on Passover, that he had gathered his disciples together to celebrate this day that he had instituted so and began so long ago. And, and in that Passover meal, he took it. And he took that ancient meal and he did something new with it. And, and he used that ancient meal, a, a meal of rescue, 
a meal that spoke to the freedom that was found in him. And, and he used it to, to point them to an even greater rescue, an even more everlasting freedom, the, the rescue that came by his sacrifice, the, the firstborn lamb of God who laid down his life on the cross, a, a freedom that, that was not found in a place, in a map, but in God's everlasting kingdom. And so Jesus took the bread and he broke it in that meal. And he, and he said, take and eat and remember the body that was broken for you. And remember that I gave up everything for you so you can count on me moving forward. He took a cup of, of wine, which had become over time part of the tradition of the Passover meal, and he blessed it as he drank it. And he said, now every time you drink of this cup, remember that I shed my blood for you. And, and just as the blood marked the doors of the Israelites so that the Lord would pass over their sin, now my blood goes into your lips and your sin is passed over once and for all. And so it's good that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's, it's why, as Christians, we do it often. Because it's an important act of remembering what God has done for us and what he continues to do for us today. Now, if you're watching this, on October 4th, on Sunday, sometime around 10 a.m., I want to let you know and I want to invite you to our walk-up communion. Those of us who are in worship on Sunday at 10 a.m., we're going to be having communion as a part of that service. But uh, if you're not able to be there and if you're watching this, you probably aren't. I want to let you know that you can come to our outdoor walk-up communion and you can receive the body and blood of Jesus as we remember together what he did, as we move forward together with confidence and joy. Dear friends, when we look back, we will see that God has done so much and then we will see that he is doing so much and that he always will. In Jesus' name.